Tanya Ezekiel was deep in a successful career on Wall Street when a spiritual awakening caused her to walk away from it all. Discover what led her to coaching and how she became the founder and CEO of Conductive Coaching here today on the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. All right, so I'm here with Tanya Ezekiel. Welcome to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thanks, Doc. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Really, really excited. I've been very impressed with your offerings on online. The things that I've seen on your website is uh, really impressive. Um, just from a curiosity point of view, the, the office space that you were looking at, or it looked like you were having a grand opening for in some of the videos. Um, is that still happening? Do you still have that office space? Yeah, we did the grand opening a year and a half ago now. Uh-huh. So, so the office is still there. It's actually in Bryant Park on 45th and 6th. And so we're obviously all taking a little bit of a pause from the office, mostly because, uh, because our corporate clients aren't, aren't visiting as frequently as we would like or at all at the moment. So, yeah. uh, no, it's absolutely still there. Oh, cool. Good. Um, so yeah, very impressive. And, and you came from a very different background than I. I, I came from, <laughs> I was always kind of, um, bootstrap kind of thing. I was a rock and roll musician and I started doing NLP in the mid eighties and I've been starting doing this ever since, um, as a private practice where I do NLP and hypnosis, but you were a banker. Were you not? Were you like on wall street for 15 years or something? I I was, I'm originally from Montreal. And, uh, when I was 19, I read the book liars poker. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, but it's essentially the story of a, of a wall street salesperson trader at Salman Brothers. And from that minute on, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be a trader at Salman Brothers. In fact, and, I wanted- and you were, right? You were a bonds and, uh, option trader? I was exactly. I was a bond options trader at Salman Brothers. I traded emerging markets. So I traded Russia in the rise and fall of, uh, of Russia in the late 90s. And, uh, and I was on Wall Street for 15 years. Uh, wow. And, and uh, in 2008, um, I actually uh, discovered a spiritual practice. I really literally picked up a book called The Power of Kabbalah. And it was one of those pivot moments, a lot of, a lot of very similar to what we're going through now, but it was individual. It wasn't global, wow. um, but it was a pivot moment where I just, uh, I kind of closed the, the last page of the book and I thought, wow, that's what you call it. There was a familiarity to the wisdom hmm. and, and the application of the wisdom in real life that just turned the lights on for me. And I, uh, shortly after, like within weeks, I walked out of, uh, of my managing director job. I was working at Bank of America at the time. And I really just said, you know what? I have to hit pause here. I'm in my late thirties. I don't have children yet. Uh, I think I need to think about what the next chapter of my career and my life are going to be. And in the day-to-day grind, also in the middle of the crisis in 2008, I didn't have any time to think. I was just doing, I was just doing, 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 and I didn't have any time to think, do I, am I going to be a mom? Am I going to be an entrepreneur? Am I 
going to work here forever? I don't know. But what I do know is I'm not making time to think about it um, and to and to process it and to be something different than what I was doing every day. Um, mm-hmm. And so I walked out in the summer of 08. I went kite surfing for six months. My husband was a managing director at Credit Suisse at the time. And we had one of those conversations that we've all had in our lives, that turning point conversation where he said, if not now, then when? Mm. And I walked out the next day. Wow. And that so, so cool. That's such an amazing story. It's wow. that, you know, sometimes it's just, and even, even I, I use that line now, right? A lot of us are doing things we've never done before. We've never had to do before. We've never thought of doing before. And we're all having that moment now. If not now, then when? Mm, mm, wow, that's so amazing. So you went kite surfing, is that what you said? Yes, I'm a kite what, surfer. What is In fact, kite? I'm the president of the Women's Kiteboarding uh, uh, Collective, which is a 4,500 uh, strong group of women who kite all around the world. Wow. So that's just okay. on the side. <laughs> <laughs> so kite surfing. What is kite surfing? I don't even know what kite surfing is. Oh, you don't know what it is? It's, well, I, uh, I it's, think I've seen it, but I'm not sure. So just... Uh, so imagine a surfboard yeah. standing on, yeah. harnessed to very long lines that are connected to a very large kite. It kind of looks like a, like a, um, like a, almost like a hang glider type of uh-huh, thing. Uh-huh, yeah. Kite, it's, um, and you do aerial sort of tricks yeah. with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've totally seen and that. And you can surf forever without having to paddle, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hate that paddling. Uh, that's, that is, that's just amazing. That's just amazing. Cool. So, um, a lot of our listeners are, are interested in, I believe, uh, actually don't know who they are personally, but <laughs> my, my belief is my, tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the avatar that I have in my mind of the people who are listening to us are interested in coaching and how to be a good coach, I believe. And, um, and how to be successful, not only as a coach with our clients, but also successful for ourselves. We need to, you know, earn a living as a, as the profession, whatever profession we're in. We need to, that's the point, make a living. Um, you have a whole coaching business, right? You have a, a whole, you're the, you're the founder and CEO of your company, right? What's it called? I'm sorry. Conductive. Conductive. Yeah. Conductive. Conductive. And um, how do you go about hiring a coach? What what do you, when you, you have, what, 20, 15, 10? What do you have? We have employees? about 10 coaches on the 10 team. 10 coaches on the team. So how do you go about evaluating and deciding who's going to be on your team? Who's, 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 what do you look for in a coach? Okay. Uh, well, there's some, uh, some boxes we, we, we check, which are starting points. One, um, I look to hire people who have 20 years, at least 20 years of work experience. What that means is to have been through what our clients have been through. So it doesn't even matter what that, uh, what industry or what practice that that's in, but that to have been hired, fired, had the best boss, the worst boss, uh, struggled with a peer, uh, had great success, won an award, just whatever it is to have been through the day to day uh, life experience at work. And so that's a starting point. Okay. We do typically, uh, in fact, we've only hired IPEC coaches, uh, to date, but as we're expanding, we're certainly, uh, 
considering other groups, but uh, IPEC has just been such a successful recipe for us. Uh, I'm IPEC trained and the coaches on my team are. We have, as you and I spoke about, we've recently added NLP certification to the to the, to our team of coaches. Um, so at so at the core, those are the 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 I guess the resume principles in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then the really the secret to success of the coach is really what's in their heart. And so if you uh, you know some of the coaches on our team, you know that they're just quality human beings mm-hmm. that you would want to talk to, you'd want to connect with, and that you'd feel supported by and that's that's really you know at the at if if i if i like quickly and it's early in the early in the interview to quickly bottom line but if i bottom line coaching mm-hmm. it's people every human being wants to feel loved and supported and a successful coach knows that that's what they're there to deliver and and to that's the starting point for any coaching. Now, there is an infrastructure that needs to be around this because I could sit here and say, oh, I want everyone to feel loved and, and supported by me. But if I don't know how to run a business, I'm going right. to, no, I'm not going to have that many people I can love and support. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just won't figure out how to do it for enough people and I won't figure out how to, how to establish the relationship, the two way relationship that right. needs to be a part of the success. Yeah, I think that is a tremendously important point. Um, and something that I see certainly in the, my field of NLP and hypnosis is that there are people who are very loving and, and really want to help and they feel it deeply in their hearts and, and they're, you know, very passionate about that goal of helping other people. And yet, um, without a structure, without, you know, some really good learning and good strategies and good techniques, you know, that, that passion and that, 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 uh, desire just doesn't really work, doesn't get, um, but doesn't, doesn't come across, you know, to the, to the outcome that you're looking to establish. The Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, IPAC, you mentioned them. Um, yes. do they teach that at all? Is that, is that part of their training is how to actually be desirous to be loving and opening and, um, to people, is that part of their training? So, so I got certified uh, by IPEC ten years ago. Um, uh-huh. So I will speak to my experience ten years ago, and I oh. also know that the heart of the organization is consistent, has been consistent, and and still is. And you know what what drew me to IPEC, uh, and I did look into everything because I, you know, I obviously had uh, uh, had degrees from McGill and Cornell. So I at first I took a very educational approach to where am I going to learn. Mm-hmm. the best skills of coaching. And so IPEC definitely delivered uh, on that in that, uh, and, a, and a lot of schools do, but the way they delivered on the coaching skills to me was, was very uh, holistic and just, you know, um, while not on the cover of the book, <laughs> I can say there's a strong spiritual backing to the principles of IPEC. Mm. And, and that's what really clicked for me. Because I, when I read the book Energy Leadership, which is the the first uh, IPEC book, when I read that, I thought, "Wow, isn't that brilliant?" They took deeply spiritual concepts, presented them in an applicable business setting without talking any woo woo, hmm. and um, and that's really the secret to to my style of coaching, which is there's a lot of theory, there's a lot of techniques, there's a lot of tools, and 
for a coach to be truly successful, the coach has to have an in, intuitive, wider lens. Mm-hmm. What's really going on with this person in the journey of their soul, right? So, and to understand that, and the person doesn't even have to talk that way, doesn't have to learn that way, doesn't have to speak that way with the coach, but for the coach to take that higher level of responsibility and engagement um, and and the responsibility of the coach to know that this person is in my movie for a reason as a coach mm-hmm. and for me to truly help them and for me to truly plug into what they need delivered from me, then the the more I'm connected to kind of a greater source of knowledge and understanding and wisdom, the easier the process will be for them. Oh, and so, true. and these are not words that IPEC spoke about openly. These are concepts that I read through the lines and I knew that IPEC was consistent with. That's so, it's, it's fascinating to me. What you are saying to me is absolutely fascinating because if I may be perfectly blunt and honest, um, I didn't see that in your website. Your website looked you know, like these are business people. They're all dressed up really fancy and, you know, it's executive coaching and C level, you know, people going from the C suites, you know, it's sort of stuff. It seems like, wow, boy. Yes. I... Yes. <laughs> but it's and still human beings. Wow. Wow. Who'd have thunk it? (laughs) (laughs) Again, it's not, you know, the client doesn't have to experience that. The coach, it's the coach's responsibility to, to remain plugged in Uh whatever the client needs. Wow. That's great. And and it's, it goes back to every coach has learned to meet the client where they're at. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's where I, I take my mission and my responsibility as meeting them wherever they need to be at in a language that they need to speak. So they can absorb and tra- and and take in the transformational opportunity, right? I'm not I'm not I'm not pushing my studies. I'm not pushing my experience, right? I'm just holding a space and create and and ushering a path for the client from wherever they start. Right. And that's a respect, you know. That's a level of respect that as coaches we have to have for the client's journey, not yeah. mine. Uh, yeah, that's perfect. I love that. Wow, fantastic. I'm so glad you're on this show. That's just so great. Um, another question for you. The, um, when I was looking at your, your website, do you go through a, a, a process, a, um, a, a survey that is part of everyone's coaching process? Is that? Yes, an assessment. An assessment. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, we, um, we primarily use the uh, Hogan leadership assessment, okay. which is the most widely used, most reliable, most thorough assessment there is uh, on the market, especially for, for business profiles, for, uh, for career profiles, for leadership profiles. We started using it uh, about five or six years ago and quickly understood the power of it. Um, it's actually an assessment that's so powerful that when you first get trained in it, kind of like NLP in a sense, when you first get trained in it, you're like, ah, uh, I kind of get it theoretically, but how am I going to do this? Right. Mm. And, uh, and, but as you peel, the, as you peel the layers, you realize just how profound it is and how, um, how meaningful it becomes for the client because now it gives a language. It gives a language to collaboration. It gives a language to my behaviors. It gives a language to my relationships that, um, that I haven't been able to articulate before. And once I have that language, then with the coach, I can choose what I want to be the same and what I want to be different. 
right? And that's really the most important choice we have in every minute of the day, every decision of the day, which is I see something the way it's happening. I see something the way somebody else is doing. I see something the way my parents taught me. Do I want to be the same or mm. do I want to be different? Mm. It's kind of the starting question to any behavior. Do I want to be the same person I was yesterday? Do I want to be different? Do I have to want to have the same debate with my children about getting dressed up this morning as I, we did yesterday? Or do I want it to be different? And that's, that's you know, one of the key questions we have to ask ourselves every day in every minute. So that's that's standard then. So if somebody walk, walks into your office and says, I want, I want to be coached by you, you say, great, fill out this form. You do the Hogan assessment. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, it's an online, it's an online assessment. I could, you know, I could send it to you and you do it in about 45 minutes. Uh -huh. uh, it takes the coach about two, three hours to properly prepare and analyze and and adapt it to what the coaching objectives are. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it takes about two hours to get your first debriefing on it. Wow. Wow. It's very powerful. Highly recommend it. I've never heard of it, honestly. Um, who, yeah. It's who... also really, really powerful with teams and with, uh, with pairs of people. So like if you and your wife did it, you would be blown away at what you would observe objectively about your relationship. And that's why it makes it so powerful because what's something that feels personal between you two, oh, that's just the way she does this. Oh, that's just the way he reacts when I do that. Oh, that's just his thing, right? This says, well, interestingly, this is his profile and this is your profile. And when you put these two profiles together, here's where they really complement each other. And here's where they trigger each other. Mm -hmm. And when they're triggered, here are the behaviors you're going to observe from them. And so when you see that almost like a, a it's a meta view of it, right? It's a meta of, of huh, that's not mm -hmm. you and me having a battle. That's these two profiles that are having a normal reaction to their default behavior, to their default triggers and behaviors. Now, what choice do we want to make about that? So that's how we use it in coaching, especially with groups of people. I, I've, I know a lot of different assessments. I've never heard of that one. It sounds amazing. Um, I've, I've gone through DISC. I've gone through, um, you know, Oh gosh, there's so many. I can't even remember them all. But but I've never heard of Hogan before. That's wow. is it is it was named after a person, I assume. Mr. Yes, Hogan? Bob Hogan, the founder. Bob Hogan, is he still alive? Is, is he? Yeah. yeah. And is he? What's his background? Is it any sort of like psychologist? He's psychologist. Yeah. Jungian or uh, what? Sorry. Jungian psychology or what sort of psychology? I I wouldn't know actually. But hmm. With your background, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you could quickly well, figure I'll it out. Finding out. <laughs> as soon as we're off, it's like, oh, what is probably that? not Ericksonian, is I guess, but who yeah, knows? <laughs> you know, Erickson was pretty uh, influential. He he did influence a lot of people, so I'm sure Mr. Hogan yes. um, has heard of Erickson, if not vice versa. Wow, so that is just truly fascinating to me because you you really are getting to the heart of of the of the person. You know what really makes them tick, and and getting into that, and then and being able to. to through data. That's what I want to say. Like it's a data-based approach. Right. And you know, one of the, one of the challenges any coaches listening out there know that, you know, sometimes your clients come in pretty heady and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, they need to be in their heart. They need to, yeah, okay. But you got to meet them where they are. And this is a very powerful tool to meet really smart people, especially as we deal with executives. We're dealing with really smart people who work hard, succeed, know the way to get things done. So we're taking this data-based approach 
to, to managing teams, to developing people that uh, in a way, once you meet them there, you actually then have more access to their heart. Mm-hmm. But if you never meet them there, you're just going to miss them, right? They're going to be up here and you're going to be down here and you're just, you're flying past each other. And, uh, and so coaches, you know, talk about um, essential skills. A coach's skill is really understanding where can I meet this client so that I can build that credibility and trust to then take them where they need to go. And they probably don't even know. Hmm. That's why a client is often coming to you. They think they know what they want, but do they really know what they need? No. There's often a difference between what they want and what they need. Right. Uh, And if you start off saying to a client, you know what, this is what you need. They're going to say, no, this is what I want. Yeah. (laughs) You have to say, okay, let's understand what you want. Right. And let's understand why you want it. Very interesting thinking question, right? You're, you, you can do you know, all the NLP around that, right? So let's understand. Let's let's understand how you think. Let's understand what you want. Let's understand why you want. So now you're, I'm doing all the understanding, thinking, wanting, and then once you meet them there, and you you uh, um, then you can move them into another. It's very similar to you know, moving them from the you know from the visual to the kinesthetic. And all right. If, but first, you have to meet them where they at. Otherwise, your visual, their right. kinesthetic. You no don't have a match. Yeah, exactly. It's the same concept. So we use data in that same way. So we use the data to get to their heart. Gotcha. That's great. Do you still use much of the uh, uh, Kabbalah in your work with people? Not directly. Uh, Kabbalah is is my process. And, okay. and the thing about Kabbalah is it's uh, it's source wisdom, right? It's ancient source wisdom. And in fact, I was speaking to somebody yesterday who was also... Uh, uh, one of the, uh, someone on our team who has a um, who is a monk who has a background as a monk and who's also an iPad coach, and as and we're talking, we both know that it's all you know the ancient wisdom is the ancient wisdom, whichever book you're reading from, whichever scripts you're drawing this this from, and um, and that's what makes it so powerful is uh, it's not it's not it's what Kabbalah has taught me about the the rules of the universe like. When I first discovered Kabbalah, uh, I realized that I was flying blind, essentially. Mm. So, uh, and then I was learning that this is how the laws of the universe work, right? And and when I started studying 12 years ago, we weren't talking like this. When I became certified as a coach 10 years ago, nobody was talking about this. Things have changed so much in the past 10 years that people are are ready to go beyond, Right beyond what we see, beyond what we feel, because even feeling is a kind of it's it's a superficial sense, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a sense that our our ego is influencing. So you know, like feeling isn't necessarily intuition. It can be, but it's not always. And sometimes mm-hmm. we believe our feelings too much, right? It's it's like if we doubt so many things, do we ever doubt our feelings? Maybe we should doubt our feelings, right? Because a lot of our feelings come from our ego. But we never doubt our ego, right? <laughs> and so, so that's right. So these are the things that I learned from Kabbalah: that there's your soul and there's your ego, and your soul has this journey, including that crappy job you're in, right? That's part of the journey, mm. right? And and so it gave it, you know, it gave me a framework um, and a rule book by which to say, again, like, let me take the big picture view here, right? Let me take the the, the meta view of the situation, like, why is this happening to me right now? Right? 
why am I experiencing this right now? Because even when I say, why is this happening to me? There's mm-hmm. a risk that I slip into victim mode. Sure, absolutely. Right? Because yeah. suddenly something is happening to me. It's outside my control. Again, another rule I learned in Kabbalah, right? So if it's happening to me, then I'm making myself the effect of something external to me. Okay, how disempowering is that? Right? <laughs> Whereas, okay, I'm being led into this situation for my own growth and my own transformation. And sometimes it's not fun at all. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd rather be in the office you saw on my website than it's nice to be home, but not for six months. Right? <laughs> um, so why is this happening? It could only be happening for something better. Now, if I get caught up in in being the effect of that, then I will miss the opportunity to be the creator of the next chapter. Nice. And I want to be the creator. That's that's beautiful, and it's and it's interesting too because you're saying that you're having this conversation with a person who's a monk or had a background of being a monk on your on your team, and yeah, ancient wisdom is kind of universal. It, it doesn't really matter who said it; if it's true, it's true. And it's where you and as you mentioned earlier today that you know even executives are human beings, um, <laughs> and we all they're have not exempt. the laws of the universe apply right. to they're not exactly. exempt. For sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. So and yeah. even more so, if I, if I might, I might say, you know, sometimes the laws are felt in a greater intensity when your desire and your passion is greater. And, mm. and so, um, and that's what we don't realize that sometimes when you sign up to say, I want to be bigger, I want to play a bigger part. I want to play a bigger role, just like coaching, like coaching is a big job. <laughs> it's a huge job. When you say, I want to be held responsible right for somebody else's success you just open the door to the washing machine and you're <laughs> and and that's one of the things i tell coaches early coaches when you know the the new ones who are listening i'll i'll say the same thing to you if you sign up to do this kind of work and you raise your hand and say i'm willing to be to be used right by the universe to help somebody else grow and succeed and and thrive then then you will go through a process. You will go through a cleansing process, no doubt. Because you're signing up to do the work. And how could you do the work if you're not willing to work on yourself? Right? So and so I, I'm sure someone listening is saying that's really interesting because as soon as I started, you know, uh getting certified as a coach or as soon as I started my coaching business, boy, what a challenge I went through. It's actually a good sign. That's true. No, it's really true. And yet, as you accepted, so I'm sorry, I missed that. So, it means your application has been accepted. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Great. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing because as a coach, as a therapist, as a as a trainer, you know, I've been doing all these things for a long time. There's an overlay, um, and some places it's 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 a fuzzy line you know what's the difference between coaching and therapy or coaching and consulting and what is the difference between these things um what is my real role here is it if somebody comes in and says i i want to pay you to help me get from point a to point b or or x or z or whatever and and that's what they want um and they're willing to pay you for that and it but it's strictly you know like this kind of i don't know strategy based roadmap thing to get to a certain level of success it's like well that that's valid and valuable and I can see why you'd want that. And 
Let's also talk about, you know, who is the person who's doing that and why they want to do that and what's the deeper stuff that's going on here and, and what will, will that mean to you as a human if you get that? You know, what does, what is achieving that going to give you and why is that important and, and, and why is that important and then why is that important? And you sort of get down to the, to the core of things. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that happens. Sorry? The five whys, right? Why and why is that important? Get to the core, core value and the core, yeah. core transformation. Core transformation. Are you familiar with the terminology from NLP, core transformation? A uh, little bit. Maybe you want to explain it. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a technique that was created by um, Connie Ray Andreas, who's been on my show already. She was one of oh. my earlier. No, then I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. It's a wonderful book, a wonderful process called Core, core Transformation. And um, her son, Mark Andreas teaches it a lot more. Um, Connie Ray's gone on to other things like the wholeness process, I think is her, her main focus these days. But it is truly interesting how, um, spirituality and, you know, the soul, like you said, you know, we are, we have a soul journey that we're going on is, is in a sense part of coaching in a lot of cases for a lot of people. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but it, it is for an awful lot of people. And when you get to really down to the, the human level of why people are doing what they're doing and, you know, we are human beings on this planet having human experiences, no matter what our line of work is. I remember Marion Williamson once saying that any job you have is actually a front for a church. I like that analogy, you know, that we're, we're doing some really important work. Absolutely. And, and, you know, like you said, you know, does it have to be the process for everybody? I, I would say does it depends on it is always the process for everybody. The difference is what level of awareness needs to be integrated into the work. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's always the process in the background. But some people are ready for that for for level A of the process. And some people want to go to level you know, MNZ of the process, right? And so it's always playing in the background. And that's, that's where coaching is so powerful because the coach knows it's always playing in the background. If the coach has a spiritual uh, foundation, but again, the res the respect and the impact of the coaching is understanding what, what the level of awareness the client needs to have. They may not. Mm. I have coached clients and, and it's been completely, I'll call it tactical, right? Whereas week to week, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? You know, and it could take, we can go through a six month, 12 month process and I may feel they're not ready for another level of awareness. And that I do have some ways of introducing concepts to test their readiness. Hmm. And then I have other clients who something might serendipitously happen. Like I may be wondering, you know, what I really feel is going on with this client is whatever that is. Um, and I don't know if they're ready for it. And I might ask myself that question. They might walk in the next session and say, you're not going to believe what happened to me. To which I internally respond, <laughs> thank you. Got it. Let's go there. Right. <laughs> and so that's that, you know, the, you know, talking about skills, like those are the really advanced coaching skills, mm. right? To know, to have that courage to listen to not react just because I want to, right? And then at the times to know when I got a sign and I have to be courageous enough to take them where they need to go. 
Yeah. Right. And that's why it's not, it's, it's not just about them. Right? That's true. It is. There, there are moments of true, like take a breath and then just, okay, let's go. <laughs> when a client you... shows up for a coach, a match has been made. A match has been made, like has been created. Yep. Yep. And it does take courage. It takes courage to go there and um, it's, it's your job. Uh, and, and the thing about courage, of course, is that it doesn't mean you're not afraid. Um, it yeah. just means that you yeah. you do it anyway. And, um, right. and, 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 and you know the steps and you are, you've packed the chute very carefully before you jump out the plane. Absolutely. You know, courage is such a big word, right? And, and, um, and you know, when I look for courage from within me, I may not have enough of it, mm. honestly, right? Because then I could, as a coach, I could get into, but do I know, do I have the right, do I, you know, and then I get, and oh, guess who just showed up? Ego just showed up, right? <laughs> now, now everyone's in trouble, right? Because now my ego showed up. And as a coach, we could even have a self-righteousness to it, right? Whereas, well, I'm the coach. If I think that's what they need to do, it must be that. I don't know. The courage really comes from knowing I'm really showing up to be in service, not just to the person, but to the universe, right? I'm in service to some source power that, you know, what sounds like a thought to me, do I, do I really know it's my thought? I don't know. And so, you know, we're kind of going deep here, but it's all about being open to, to the, I don't know. We just spend so much time and energy into, I need to know. And sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is say, you know, I don't know. It's interesting that you should say that because much of my background, although I started off, like I said, as a musician and then got into NLP, um, I've been really focusing mostly over the years into the world of Ericksonian hypnosis. And Milton Erickson, as you may or may not know, um, often said exactly that. You know, people would ask him a question about something and say, I don't know. You know, it was like his favorite phrase and he just, he, he didn't know, but we were to trust his idea was that you trust your unconscious mind. His, his terminology was the unconscious. But he might have been meaning by that, you know, exactly what you're meaning by the soul or this, this, the universe source or whatever. And we don't need to know. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, we don't need to know. It could right. be my unconscious. It could be an, what feels like an idea I had. It could be some greater power. We don't need to know. But when we say, I don't know, we open the door to receive it. In a, at a conscious level, wherever it's coming from, it doesn't even matter. Right. But what, what, when I say, I know, I know I'm trying to figure out, you know, when you kind of like, when your eyebrows sort of go down and you're like <laughs> trying to figure this out and then you get narrower and narrower and narrower and you realize you're actually running out of solutions. Right. And so when you say, I don't know, like I didn't know what we were going to talk about on this podcast. Right. right. I didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. So I come in saying, this is going to be fun. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> And when I do, I then then I will know at the right time. Right. Yeah, and exactly. So yeah. No, there's there's stories of Milton Erickson where he would basically um, go into a trance during the seminars or during the, the sessions he'd be doing with people. And he would just basically turn it all over to the great, I don't know, you know, the great unconscious, if it will. And um, 
there's some funny stories about where he would wake up from that trance after the session was done and go like, what happened to Dr. Schwartz? Didn't he come today? So, <laughs> and then there'd be notes that were turned over face down on his desk. He said, oh, I guess, I guess I'm not supposed to read those since they're turned face down. So I'll just be comfortable with my unknowingness and put it into the filing cabinet and not read those. I'm listening to you and I'm and I'm thinking, wow, imagine if we all felt like that would be fun to not know, because that's what we're going through right now, right? Like this is the great unknown. <laughs> like, right. I don't know how long I'll be sitting in this office and not from, from our, uh, from our beautiful space in, in, uh, in Bryant Park. I don't know. Right. And imagine, imagine I could feel that that's a fun question, right? <laughs> right now talking to you because we're in the, we're in the, you know, we're in flow. Feels like a fun question. Doesn't feel like a fun question every morning or every night before I go to bed, right? And so, so what if we could feel that not knowing were fun? Right. That's true. Even for a little part of the day. Yeah. Like, like you, I have a, a what I consider to be a beautiful office on uh, 29th Street and uh, between 6th and 7th that I'd spent better part of a year, like, you know, furnishing and soundproofing and getting this rise up desk so I could do podcasting yeah. and things from that. You know, I've got this great light sort of thing set up there. And, um, and then just before I launched my website, I, I moved upstate to my country house and I'm doing this all from a, a laptop with a lamp, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, did you read, uh, early in the pandemic, HBR released an article on, uh, that, uh, that feeling is grief. I think it's called. Did you read that article? No. It's it's such a great article. It still applies because it's that, you know, that feeling you just have now talking about your office space. Like we're kind of laughing about it, but really there's like, there's a heaviness and a sadness inside because you put so much love and energy into making it right for you because you're so focused on the flow you will be in when you're there. Right. So you took, took the care and you gave the attention and the time to all those details. And now they're not with you physically, right? And and so we're experiencing all these different emotions through this. And and you know, uh, with your NLP background and uh, and all of us coaches and the coaches listening know, you know, sometimes we just got to call it what it is, and that's how it releases, right? In fact, that's how actually how it releases from the subconscious as well is when you when you call it what it is, and and we're experiencing so much grief. Mm. And grief is a heavy feeling. It's It's got so much burden. But to kind of take that breath and say, wow, what I just felt about your office, about my office in Manhattan, that was grief. Mm. And you know what? As I just said that, it changed the feeling. Mm -hmm. Did it change the feeling for you? I, 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 I didn't experience grief, honestly, um, ever. I've never felt grief about not being there. Just felt like, okay, that's the next step. Let's just go. Um, Good for you. Yeah. That's elevation. You're an elevated <laughs> soul. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe but, you processed uh, attachment and detachment earlier in life. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but it's also really interesting because over the years of the course of studies that I've been doing, I also have delved a lot into Jungian psychology, um, the work of Carl Jung. And, um, Dream interpretation has been a big part of that. Um, sometimes when people have asked me about, as a hypnotist, do I do past life regression? It's like, well, yeah, I don't necessarily know 
if it's a real past life or not, but I figure the the stuff, whatever it is, is tantamount to being a, a dream imagery. So let's look at it from that. Let's interpret it that way. And certainly, I know when I when I came up here, whether or not I was having grief, or maybe subconsciously I was, or whatever. But I was certainly having some pretty wild dreams. You know, pretty pretty crazy stuff were, was happening, and I, you know, scary, you know, weird wow. stuff. Um, but I also knew enough to know that it was information coming from my unconscious. It wasn't necessarily something that was like I had to be actually afraid of, but it was telling me something. There was a there's a message there. There's a, a communication happening. So it's like, okay, hello, welcome. What are you, Hi. what are you saying here? What's this about? Oh, welcome. I see you. Yeah. And, and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be afraid subconsciously. It's, it's okay. We're actually yeah. okay. <laughs> right. We are. Which is a nice thing to remind ourselves of on a regular basis. We are actually Okay. Yeah. Good. So, um, just from a just nuts and bolts point of view, if somebody wanted to get hold of you to learn about what you do, to learn about IPAC, and if they wanted to become an employee of yours to to get hired by you, if they wanted to get you know certified enough to to say yeah. yes, I can do this, or if they just want to coach, we got a phenomenal team of coaches and. Yeah. Uh, um, I know at least one of them. So, yeah, if I, for sure that's true. Two now. Two now. <laughs> uh, great. So we're actually really easy to find. Uh, conductivecoaching.com is our website. Uh, I'm on every social platform, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. You can uh, direct message me. Uh, we do have a couple of really cool things happening this month that are very accessible. Some are free. Some are uh, really uh, accessible pricing. Uh, one of them is, uh, will probably happen before you release this podcast, but I'm doing a time management, uh, uh, free event. It's only a 30 minute event, uh, live, um, probably before this podcast is released, but I will have the recording if anybody wants it. Uh, you know, and that really came from a little bit of, uh, you know, people just saying, I don't know how she does it. You know, she's a CEO. She's a coach. She's got all these clients to take care of. She's got, a four-year-old and a seven-year-old she's uh she you know so long list of, of stuff and so i realized that the core of all that is is i manage time like a boss <laughs> and, and i have lots of tricks uh tricks up my sleeve to do so uh so i'm happy to share that recording with anybody who wants to reach out and ask for it just just you know dm me with the word time and i'll know what you mean and i'll and i'll get it to you um and the other thing starting on uh, uh, probably shortly after this podcast is released is uh, on uh, is a uh, career design six week course. Uh, I don't need to say the date because we'll probably repeat it. So if you look us up, you'll you'll know when. And that's really about owning it. Right. Uh, you just you look at what we've been through in 2020 and how we can sort of slide into the back end of this year and then wake up on the first of January going uh WTF just happened. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can, you really still have time to own it, to learn from it, to process it, uh, and to go uh, to get, to look back on it, right? So that with that hindsight of, wow, I see what happened. I see why it happened. And I see the gifts that came out of it. Um, because 
there can't not be gifts that come out of this. It's just impossible. It's just not how it's not, it's just not how the system works, right? <laughs> there's been pain. There's been grief as we're talking about. There's been detachment and all that. Um, but a lot of good, a lot of good will come out of this. And so, so we really want to help people take that experience and knowledge and apply it to their careers. So they realize that that too can go to the next level as, as can their life. So we're really talking about the entire human being. Uh, so any of these programs, any way of reaching me, uh, just let me know you've heard me here and uh, we'll take it from there. Beautiful. So conducive.com or conductive, conductive.com conductive. 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 is they could reach any of Yeah, can... conductive. Sorry. I apologize. Conductivecoaching.com. Conductivecoaching.com. Oh, conductivecoaching.com. Or find me, Tanya Ezekiel, on any social platform and find conductive. On. So conductive is the name of company. The URL is conductivecoaching.com. Okay. Thank you. Put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh my goodness! This has been a wonderful discussion. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you for I, having I, me. It's fun talking to you. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks.